We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select. Welcome to Picks for Pace, presented by the Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Pace, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, Usay Koshal. Usay, we are, are recording this episode on Wednesday, August 11th, only a few days away from the first preseason game for the Chicago Bears coming up on Saturday. Really exciting times coming up. Usay, how are we doing today, man? I am doing well. I know it's an exciting week here in Chicago this week. Um, For the first time, I think, in a while, actually, the Bears have um, the Dolphins are visiting Hallis Hall for training camp, so that's certainly exciting. So we're going to have a couple of days of joint practices, and I think it's, it's going to be noteworthy to see what comes out of these practices because, yeah, it's all practice, but the important thing that we also have to understand is that it's the first time all offseason that we're seeing the Bears get to evaluate their roster against an actual team or another team, I should say, because for the last two weeks, it's been Bears versus Bears. Yeah, it's always a good time to evaluate things, I think, when you get to these joint practices and preseason games, because it's one thing to see how your players are doing against each other when everyone knows their tendencies, coaches know the tendencies of the plays being called and whatnot. It's a, com- a completely new ball game, though, when you're going up against a different team, different set of coaching, different, different scheme, different players, everything like that. So it really uh, makes things It really opens the eyes, I think, for many fans and players and especially the coaching staff to evaluate their players and see where they're actually at. And I I think that's one of the most beneficial things to this week in general is we get to see where this team is at in relation to another team. Because I know a lot of fans being at training camp, it's one thing to see these guys going up against each other and say, okay, well, the offense is doing this very well and defense is doing this very well. Now we get to see whether that holds up against another actual NFL football team. So that's something that I'm really looking forward to. But, I mean, there still is a bunch to get to into training camp here in terms of what we've been seeing over the past couple of weeks or so before we get into uh, the preseason game and, and some of the talk there. Uh, so you said 
let's just get into a little bit of a breakdown of what we've been seeing at training camp over the past few past few weeks or so. We were both able to get to a couple of training camp practices here. Uh, we were both there on Friday, and I was there on Sunday as well. So let's kind of go over our general takeaways. I'll start with you. You said uh, for Friday specifically, what were your general takeaways from that day? And, uh, you know, what do you think is something that can carry over into this week as we get into the first preseason game? Well, my biggest takeaway was that Justin Fields clearly looks more composed as well as collected when it comes to taking the practice field. And I know everyone's going to talk about how, well, I shouldn't say everyone because what's going to happen is this is non-Bears fans and non-Bears writers and the media are going to talk about how, okay, well, it's just practice. It's not a big deal. But then you're going to have Bears fans on social media. They're going to really hype up their quarterback and anything and everything that Justin Fields does that's good. Bears fans are going to go ahead and praise Justin Fields. What's interesting for me is that I was actually there on Friday, July 30th as well. So that was the first official week of camp. And I kind of noticed that Justin was not as calm and composed, but you can tell that over the last couple of weeks, especially when we were there on August 6th, I believe it was that the practices and the game has really slowed down for him. And I think when you listen to head coach Matt Nagy talk, one of the major points that he brings up is that he drops little tidbits about Justin's development and what's next. So at the start of the off season, and going in training camp and OTAs, it was kind of, okay, well, we want to have Justin learn how to call plays into a huddle. That was what Matt Nagy was kind of doing. That was Justin's homework assignment. And then now it's Justin's learning what to do post-snap. So going through those progressions post-snap, as well as learning to read the safety. So those are some noteworthy things. And I think Justin's far ahead of where he needs to be. And I tweeted this earlier today, by the way, I think what's going to happen is Matt Nagy was on the Molly and Haw show and said, we're going to give Justin a lot of reps in preseason to see what he can do because Andy Dalton's already played a lot of football and what that signals to me is that that's a bold statement and move by Matt Nagy, because if Justin comes in and absolutely blows the doors off, granted it is going to be preseason, but I think we see a situation where there's a legitimate quarterback controversy that's brewing in Chicago, but Nagy's not going to acknowledge it. No, oh, there's definitely a quarterback controversy brewing right now. I mean, we can just tell when you're at training camp, the bears fans, whenever Justin Fields takes the field, uh, they're just salivating over anything that he does out there, whether it's in team drills, seven on seven, even like individual drills, really. I mean, all the focus is on Justin Fields when you're at these training camp practices. And that was one of the big things I noticed as well, especially I'll specifically start off when, you know, we were both there on Friday, but uh, that was a day where they were getting some live tackling in as well. So another thing to point out there, we were both, we were both there on the day that they were doing some live tackling stuff. So that was pretty fun to see, but, yeah, Justin Fields, I mean, we'll get more into, you know, the detailed th things about how he's doing and a little bit here in this podcast. But the one thing that I noticed on Friday was that, I mean, there were still some kinks to work out for him. There were a few uh, miscommunication errors. Uh, he did make a few mistakes that I saw on Friday. And I, I think the, the biggest thing for him is it, it doesn't seem like he's letting that affect him in terms of his mentality whatsoever. If, if he makes some mistakes or if he makes a mistake, he's out there the very next play doing the right thing, do going through his progressions, not panicking when things go, don't go his way. And uh, I think that's a really positive step because, you know, it's one thing you, do, you don't want to see things snowball for these young quarterbacks, especially in the early goings of their development, where if they make a couple of mistakes early on in practice or a game, 
you know, it just leads to a downward spiral for the rest of that time period. We're not really seeing that from Justin Fields. If he makes some mistakes, he corrects it. He goes, he goes out there. He has a confidence to know that he can make an, another play for his team out there. And he goes out there and he makes plays. So, you know, even though there are going to be some valleys, peaks and valleys here, as we get into this training camp and as this thing continues to unfold over the next couple of weeks, you know, the positive here for Justin Fields is that he is not letting any, any mistakes that he does make in practice get to his head. I think he just, he knows that it's practice. He's going to make some mistakes. He's going to make some blunders. How can he learn from that and get better going forward? And speaking of getting better going forward, uh, I was there on Sunday as well. And uh, it just so happens that Justin Fields had probably had what sounds like to me um, his best day of practice on Sunday. So uh, you, you know, that, that, video of that throw he made the Riley Ridley where he was rolling out to his left and then throwing it across his body sidearm um in the, in the end zone for a touchdown that's the one video that's been going viral I think over the internet over the internet for Bears fans and really NFL media in general um he was making throws like that all day on Sunday and we really saw you know I saw a clear improvement from where he was on Friday to Sunday which is just really exciting I think that's a good time for us to get into the next kind of phase of this podcast. You say that's going to kind of grading these rookies and not say grading, but a, kind of like a rookie report as we get into training camp here and how these guys are doing. We'll continue with Justin Fields for right now. And just going over what I saw from him on Sunday, man, I mean, you talk about quarterback controversy. It's going to be tough for Matt Nagy to keep Justin Fields on the bench for very long. If Justin Fields continues to play like he did on Sunday, because the quarterback that I saw on Sunday, now granted, he's going up against second-team defense. Uh, he's playing with second-team receivers, so how is he going to react with the first-team guys uh, going up against a, an actually very good NFL defense, which, which, which is what the Bears have? Um, with that said, though, from what you can see there in terms of the playmaking ability, the arm talent, the strength, the athleticism, uh, the accuracy, the zip that he has on his ball, and the decision-making, the ability to go through the reads, uh, it was very impressive from what I saw on Sunday. And he looked like a quarterback that doesn't look like he needs time on the bench to, you know, get ready for an NFL game. He looks like a guy that's ready to go. And I think that's one of the more exciting things here. You know, Justin Fields, I, I really, but when it comes down to the question of whether he starts week one, it might not be a question of whether Justin Fields is not ready or not, or is ready or not. It might be a question of whether the Bears are ready or not, considering the state of their offensive line and all the, the injuries that they have at this point, you know, because do you want to throw a rookie quarterback out there where you could potentially get hurt long-term with an injury, um, considering the state of where this offensive line is at? Because from what I saw at, from the uh, his ability-wise, uh, he looks like a guy that could go out there week one, and I would not be concerned what's, whatsoever about how he would perform or how he would react to uh, adversity in his first game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, when you look at the Spurs offensive line, I mean, it's clearly an issue. And again, we'll get into Tevin Jenkins a bit later on in the podcast, but you went into the offseason looking to upgrade what was arguably your second worst positional group last season after quarterback on the roster. And then you do that, you overhaul it, but you're staking all your chips on the table in guys like Tevin Jenkins. Okay. Sure. You bring Jermaine Ifedi back. Now I will say that the silver lining, but the bears offensive line is really hard to fully evaluate it right now. simply because the starting five is out. I will say this though, the good news about some of these key guys getting injured, take it out or sorry, take a James Daniels or a Tevin Jenkins and Jermaine Ifedi is that what the bears are getting the opportunity to do is evaluate what kind of depth do they have behind a lot of these starters? That's not something we'd be able to really go ahead and do and have an extensive evaluation had none of these guys been injured. And so this is technically speaking, it's still Cody Whitehair's offensive line. He's the undisputed leader, but you look at it, the interior, they're pretty much set with Daniels, Whitehair, Mustafer. The big questions are going to be what goes on the edges when it does come to left and right tackle. And again, for the bears, I mean, they are getting an opportunity to see, is there someone that they need to bring in for an upgrade? I know there was a rumor floating out there on Twitter, which by the way, I challenged the guy who put it out there. Cause he was just like, Oh yeah. You know, I know someone in the organization who says it's going to happen, but then I found found out later it was a third party that the bears were going to sign like Ricky Wagner, but you have to understand this is they number one, it doesn't make sense for the bears to the bears should bring someone in, but they haven't done so yet, which kind of gives me the confidence that they're going to wait or tells me that they're going to wait till the very last minute to bring someone in. But number two, we also have to keep this in mind is that the last time the bears brought in a veteran offensive lineman, this late in training camp was in 2016 with Josh Sitton when he was cut by the Green Bay Packers. And so what's going to happen here is this is the Bears are going to look at this and say, hey, you know what? These guys haven't performed. They're not where they need to be. It's been a problem. They're not healthy. Let's just wait and see what happens over the next couple of weeks. And if there is a veteran offensive lineman that is cut in that second to last week of August, about two weeks to go before the season begins, let's go and sign that guy. I ultimately think that that's the path that – the bears are going to take just because that's what history tells us rather than the bears going out right now and inking a player like a Russell Okun to a cheap deal. Yeah. The offensive line is definitely worrisome right now. I mean, the amount of injuries they've had there, especially at offensive tackles is ridiculous at this point, but, you know, speaking of that offensive line, I think that's a good chance for us to get into uh, talking about these rookie offensive tackles that the bears drafted in the 2021 NFL draft. We're looking at Tevin Jenkins and we're looking at Larry Borum and what their status is going forward here. Now, both of these guys are still out, I think, as of right now. Uh, Tevin Jenkins, he's dealing with the back issue, which has become a bit of a big deal on uh, Bears Twitter with, um, you know, there's been com- some comparisons to Chris Williams, who had some back issues. He was a former uh, uh, first-round pick, I believe, with the Bears back in, like, 2008, I think, who did not pan out at offensive tackle. Um, so there's some worry there with Bears fans about Tevin Jenkins and then Larry Borm. He's currently, I think, nursing a concussion, I believe. So he's been out of practice the last few days. Uh, he's been getting reps, though, at left tackle and right tackle. You know, I'll go with you, you say, and then we'll get to the seven Jenkins here, but 
quickly go into Larry Borum first because he's actually been on the practice field. Um, from what you were able to see at the practice that you were at that I wasn't there, that was, that was earlier in the week that you were there. Um, what did, did you see anything from Larry Borum that kind of stood out to you? I don't know if you kind of took, took track of him, took track of him at Family Fest as well, but um, is there anything you've noticed with Larry Borum uh, from anything that you've seen in camp so far, or is it just a little bit of an unknown right now with where things are at in training camp? Well, I think it's a complete unknown. I mean, you look at Larry Borm. Now, traditionally, he did play right guard and right tackle on the offensive line when he was at Missouri. And so all of a sudden, you're asking him to come in and basically make a position switch pretty late into camp. And you're hoping that a player that's never really had experience playing left tackle is able to pan out. I mean, at least Tevin Jenkins played three or four games at Oklahoma state. So he knows what the role of and how to exactly play left tackle on what that, what playing that position entails. Larry Borum doesn't have that advantage. And it's just also a complete unknown at this point, because you have Elijah Wilkinson, a veteran who you would hope would be good enough to hold the spot down. But Wilkinson was on the reserve COVID-19 list. And something just tells me that Wilkinson isn't performing the whole line right now is not performing up to par besides Mustafa and Cody Whitehair. but then ultimately and you could throw Alex Bars in there because Alex Bars has played pretty much every single position on this offensive line um especially last season where he had eight starts I think he had six at right guard one at center one at left guard but the point is is that you know the whole offensive line outside of two guys right now is an unknown and it's very tough to judge Borum's progress but the good news is that with the Dolphins in town, we are going to get a chance to see if Borum can legitimately be the left tackle. And maybe this is something the Bears are going to have to consider, just that Borum's good enough to the point where he pans out at left tackle, and then that kind of opens the door next offseason for the Bears to go ahead and to have Tevin Jenkins be the right tackle. Because a lot of people, one of the big knocks for the Bears drafting Tevin Jenkins was that when they found out they're going to turn him into a left tackle, people weren't on board with it specifically because they felt like he was just a more of a natural fit at right tackle. Cause that's what he played at Oklahoma state. Yeah. I, mean, I think it's a good opportunity for Larry Barham here. I mean, he's got to get back healthy first, that concussion first, but um, I think getting reps at right tackle and left tackle is a good thing for his development because Ultimately, I'm not sure because he's a fifth round pick. I'm not sure if the plan is for him to be uh, starting for them next year. I think Juan Castillo and this Bears coaching staff does like Jermaine Fetty quite a bit. But if Borum can be a good swing tackle for this team in the early going of his career, like having that experience at both left tackle and right tackle would be good for him. So seeing what he can do at both sides uh, of the ball there um, is definitely something that is going to be beneficial for him. But unfortunately, that probably wouldn't be happening in, in this moment right now if it weren't for the elephant in the room here, when we're talking about this in, in this offensive line situation, that is Tevin Jenkins and where he's at. And, um, you know, he's been out all training camp so far, nursing a back injury, did not go on the pup list early on in training camp, which led us to believe that this is something that was going to be short-term that he'd be out there practicing at this point. Um, but, you know, I don't know what you say, but it kind of seems to me that, you know, the coaching staff, Matt Nagy and the coaching staff seem to thought that, this would be something like that was a short-term issue that, you know, you spend a few days kind of, you know, get ready for training camp. And then after a few days of practice, he'd be out there by this point in time. And there's gotta be some kind of setback going on to where he must've flared something in his back or something that's keeping him out because um, if they're not putting him on the pup list, you know, the physically unable to perform list, that tells me that they think he's going to be able to get out there at some point, but 
the days that I've been there, I haven't seen Tevin Jenkins do anything remotely close to like a football activity or, or a workout activity. He's just been standing around on the sideline, not doing anything. So yeah, I'm kind of worried, you know, with, with the state of Tevin Jenkins. And then we got that report um, that I, I don't know who leaked, who first reported this, uh, but this just came out on Twitter and it's kind of gone a little bit viral since, but um, they got reported that the bears, they knew that Tevin Jenkins had some problems with his back when they decided to trade up and draft him. And that it was also kind of leaked that a lot of teams in the NFL, one of the reasons why Tevin Jenkins fell all the way to the second round was because a lot of teams just did not even have him on, on their draft board because they kind of feared that that back could be a long-term issue for him. So it kind of puts the process of Ryan Pace and the Bears here going up to get Tevin Jenkins into question a little bit. And I, and again, this is still like way too early to make any uh, concrete like evaluations of the entire thing, the draft pick, the trade up for him, anything like that. Cause we haven't seen Tevin Jenkins get on the football field yet. So again, take all of this with a grain of salt here, but it does put into question like the whole process of, you trade up for Tevin Jenkins when you don't have a lot of draft picks as it to begin with. And you have all these needs on this roster. When you look at a cornerback room, the safety room, uh, linebacker depth, offensive line depth, wide receiver depth, all these needs all over the roster. And you're trading up to get another player after just trading up for your quarterback of the future. And then it turns out this player has an injury red flag to contend with. And then the one player that can maybe help with that in terms of having him on the roster as an insurance in case that injury does flare up for him as a rookie and Charles Leno, you decide to cut um, free up cap space because you're too stubborn to give Allen Robinson an extension. You want to keep Jimmy Graham on the roster for God knows what reason at this point. Um, It just, that is, it's it's so questionable to me that that entire process there by Ryan Pace in his front office. Um, And I get, they want to go in a different direction on the offensive line, bring more physicality to the room as a whole, which, which is what Tevin Jenkins brings. But it is a bit concerning at this point that this could be a lingering issue for him going forward. And I hope that it isn't because Tevin Jenkins is a fun, awesome player when he's on the football field. And you want to see him on the football field at some point. But it, it, it is a bit concerning for me at this point. And I hope that in the next week or two here, we can see him get on the field before the regular season kicks off because, you know, you know as it stands right now, this offensive tackle room is rough just watching them perform in practice. And it sounds like uh, with their first practice day against Miami uh, the joint, for the joint practices that that carried over into the practice today and, and they did not look very good. So hopefully Tevin Jenkins can get back healthy. Yeah. When you look at Tevin Jenkins, I mean, and you kind of alluded to this, him being a really fun player. I mean, we have to, we, we, we have to acknowledge this too, is that there were five or six offensive tackles in the 2021 NFL draft that did have first round grades. We know Panesa will, and then you had Rashawn Slater, Christian Derrissaw, Elijah Vera Tucker, as well as Tevin Jenkins. And so when Jenkins slipped all the way to 39th overall, that was very surprising. I think for a lot of people, because look, there's always going to be a divide over certain prospects every single year. When you talk about national media versus some of the guys on Twitter, right. And what the Twitter scouts may necessarily think. Okay. An example of that would be wide receiver Kadarius Tony. The national media had Tony pegged as a first round pick. Some people on Twitter thought he was not a first round pick rather thought that he was a second round guy because he doesn't run a full route tree. Now, Tevin Jenkins in this case was an exception to the rule because everyone saw him going within the top, or within the top 20 picks. And again, 
if, if he was on another team, I think we would see him out there at right tackle. But with the Bears, he's going to be playing left tackle. And so to get that top 20 player all the way at 39th overall, you're getting a player that a lot of teams likely had a first-round grade on but slipped because of the injuries. And I put this out there. I said, hey, listen, we know that Tevin's injury is an issue. We know it's a clear issue. But we also have to understand is that – you do wonder, hey, had there been an actual scouting combine in Indianapolis this year, not necessarily a regional one where guys from different regions went and got tested and, you know, had physicals run, would an actual scouting combine in Indianapolis had an impact on Tevin draft status? Yeah, I certainly think so, because then the news about his back injury would have come out. And so for a guy that has back tightness, I'd just say it's taking an incredibly long time for Tevin to get better. But all you can do right now is just watch and wait because what's going to happen is if it gets to the third week of preseason and Tevin's still out, that's when you kind of say, okay, now it's time to hit the panic button because that's going to be about three weeks from the season opener. But if he's out there like next week in practicing or the Bears are going to say, hey, look, we're going to ease him back in, then there is a bit of room to breathe. Yeah, I, I agree with that that last point there. They can get him on the field after this first preseason game and we start season progress going forward. I think that'll ease me a little bit on the situation. But again, I hope that happens because if that first scenario you point out there where we're getting the preseason game number three and he's still not out there on the practice field, uh, yeah, that is that is not a good scenario to be in if you're a Bears fan. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Um, but you know, moving on to some of these other rookies here and how they've been doing, let's move on to uh, some of the other day three guys, the sixth and seventh round picks. One guy I want to talk about here in particular is Khalil Herbert, who is really impressed me so far in the days that I've been there camp. You see the quickness, you see the explosiveness, and he showed in the live tackling drill some ability uh, to break tackles, good contact balance, and ability to power through tackles. So Khalil Herbert has been someone that's impressed me. They came with that first depth chart, which is an unofficial depth chart. I wouldn't put too much stock into it, but it did um, intrigue me that he was listed as the third running back for the Bears behind David Montgomery and Damian Williams, which I thought found to be very interesting. Already had guys like, you know, guys like Ryan Nall, Artavis Pierce, some of the other guys on the roster that have been here a couple of years. Um, so Khalil Herbert clearly making an impression on the, on the coaching staff. And what I found notable for Herbert was he's getting a lot of special teams work. He's talking about kick return, uh, punt return. He's been getting a lot of reps in those two facets of the game. So what that kind of points to me, you say, is it looks like Khalil Herbert, even for being a six-round pick, he looks like a guy that could pretty much be a lock at this point to make a roster, which is very a very good use of a six-round pick because, you know, he, he adds, I think, another dimension to this running back room. And it wouldn't surprise me, this is the best and most talented running back room the Bears have had uh, ever since Nagy and even Ryan Pace took over here because they look pretty good right now at that spot. Yeah, that running back room 
certainly intrigues me because if Tariq Cohen wasn't here, which by the way, when I was at practice on Friday, I saw Tariq Cohen wearing a brace. Tariq Cohen's not back, but the good news is that Damian Williams is looking really good. Khalil Herbert, I think, has looked great. And you alluded to some of the attributes that are sticking out about him. I think another attribute that's sticking out is his vision. Now, it's actually really positive for Khalil Herbert that he is going to go into year one, likely just being a return guy on special teams because the Bears need to find a quality return, man. And speaking of kickoffs, I mentioned this on our podcast with Zach, and I'm going to say it again. I have absolutely zero idea as to why when the Bears were practicing kickoff returns as to why Darnell Mooney was back there. That's just something that makes absolutely zero sense to me. You rarely ever see the best teams or good teams and good coaching staffs put in one of their top weapons on offense. I mean, it would be the equivalent of like the Browns putting Odell Beckham back there to return punts, which could just cause an injury. And it's also just unnecessary wear and tear on the player's body. So Khalil Herbert being back there is encouraging because it feels like at least for the next couple of years, the bears will have a pretty solid returner because Herbert's under contract for the, through the 2024 season, I believe, but then also just sticking with Herbert, I mean, he talked about himself being a dual threat guy. And I know one of the last times that we talked to him, one of the major things he mentioned was, look, I don't care where they put me. I'm just going to be ready to go wherever. So you're really seeing a team player kind of step up to the bat and be like, hey, look, I'm not going to go ahead and just be fixated in one role. I prefer to be used wherever because I do want to be a bigger asset than a lot of people think I am. I don't want there to be any limitations as to how it can help the team win every day. Yeah, absolutely. And you certainly hope that Herbert can be that guy for this team because if he can find a nice little role for them, uh, not only this year, but in years to come, I mean, like you said, as a six-round pick, he's going to be cheap debt for this team for the next four years. And that's incredibly valuable, I think, at the running back position where you should be cycling through these guys on day three picks year after year after year after year and not pay them because, I mean – it's it's a replaceable position and Herbert's kind of proven that to me right now in camp I and mean, we'll see what happens in preseason the regular season um because I, again I love David Montgomery but I in an ideal world you wouldn't want to pay him too much money when he gets to the open market in a couple of years here so you're ho- kind of hoping that Khalil Herbert can kind of step up here and be that next bell cow back for this team down the road but you know, we'll see what happens. You talk about the Darnell Mooney point about him taking the punt returns and kick returns here. I certainly hope that isn't something they're seriously considering. I know it's not a terrible thing at this point in practice and at this point in training camp to practice that sort of thing because you never know when you might need him because, I mean, he's a special playmaker. So uh, if there's a, a special situation to where you may need a big play in, in the return game, you know, why not put him back there? I, I could see that reasoning from the coaching staff. Um, but I, I will say this one thing that could just make that a scenario that just really is irrelevant is uh, Daz Newsom being back wide receiver who they picked in the sixth round because um, he was on the, uh, the pup list to start training camp. And now uh, we've seen over the past couple of days, he's starting to get back into practice, starting to get into a groove. Uh, what are your expectations expectations for Daz Newsom? Because the Bears, they have a pretty deep wide receiver room right now. And it's not even guys like, you know, obviously Alan Robinson, Darnell Mooney are the top two, but you know, Goodwin, Bird. They all had some nice moments at camp. Javon Wims and Riley Riddler are still here. And then it's not even like you get those six, but then you got guys like Chris Lacey and John Bay Johnson who are out there just making play after play after play in training camp practices. So it's a loaded room, or I should say a crowded room for the wide receivers right now. So, you know, what are some of your expectations for Daz Newsom as he gets back healthy here? And hopefully he can get into a little bit of a rhythm uh, before preseason games can kind of start up again. 
Yeah, so when you look at Dallas, we have to understand that the wide receiver room right now is way more crowded than a lot of people are thinking. And again, because you brought the wide receiver room up, I'll say this much, is that we know four players are locks. Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, Marquise Goodwin, and Demir Bird. Those four players should be considered locks to make the roster. After that is where it gets kind of iffy because you're in a situation where, all right, how many extra wide receivers are you going to carry? Are you going to carry... And what values and attributes are you looking to emphasize? If you're going to do something like, if you, if you want something like a big jump ball receiver, well, then you go ahead and go with a guy like a Javon Williams. If you want a player that is going to bring more speed, well, then you look at one of your youngsters and a guy like Daz Newsom, for example. So I could certainly see the Bears carrying six, maybe seven wide receivers um, with one of the guys being designated as a return man after Khalil Herbert on special teams. Overall with Daz, I think that just watching him at UNC, you could always tell that he was a tough wide receiver and he was always going to be scrappy and get after it. A player who really wanted to play bigger than his size allowed him to. And you saw that at times in college. Now my expectations for him are that he comes in and I don't think he's going to have a major impact year one. Cause again, the wide receiver room is so loaded, but it's going to be about learning for him and focusing and shadowing on Darnell Mooney and Allen Robinson, the way that, Allen's kind of mentored Darnell Mooney this offseason because when we look beyond 2021, again, Daz is another guy that's going to be here through 2024, hopefully if everything pans out. I think there is a case to be made that when we're looking at the depth chart next year at this time, Daz could be your wide receiver one when it comes to the slot. He could legitimately be the team's best slot receiver. But for now, this season, it's just going to be about pretty much learning everything you can, including the speed of the game. And I think, you know, one of the vibes I get when it comes to Daz is he is an incredibly hard worker. So we will see success, but then it's just going to be about opportunity. And the Bears can't make the mistakes with Daz Newsome that they made with a guy like Riley Ridley because Riley coming out of Georgia was immensely talented, but unfortunately he never really got a shot. So the bears have to be willing to give Daz more opportunities as well to prove this is what I can do. Yeah. I think ultimately it comes down to what he can do on special teams. If he can be a gunner or return man. Um, I think that's where Daz Newsom's role is oh. going to be. Uh, whether that is this year, next year, really. I mean, I, I don't think long-term, if he can develop into that primary slot option, that would be awesome, I think, for the Bears. But as a six-round pick, if he can be a return specialist for this team in any capacity, I think they would be very happy with that. Uh, but, but it's going to be tough for him because he's behind right now, just getting in here a couple of weeks in. Um, there's some other players that have impressed, I think, the coaching staff a lot in this wide receiver room. So he's got some ground to make up. We'll see what happens here. Uh, two other rookies we'll mention here before we kind of – move on to kind of previewing the first preseason game for the bears against Miami uh, to kind of end this podcast here. Uh, let's talk about Tonga, Christ Tonga and Thomas Graham jr. Anything that has kind of stood out for you in, in regards to any of those, uh, those guys. Cause I know for me, uh, the first thing I know is I haven't really seen Tonga make a, a ton of plays, but he is getting a lot of reps at nose tackle with the second team defense uh, from what I'm noticing. And I mean, the first thing you know is that he's a wide thick dude at that nose tackle position. He's a big guy. Uh, you know, at that nose tackle spot. So uh, Tonga, he, he's impressive physically just watching him on the field practice. Uh, on Friday, we were actually both uh, in front of the de defensive line. We were watching the defensive line, like right in front of us, do their um, warm-ups and individual drills. And, I mean, you can just see, I mean, Akeem Hicks, he's a massive, he's the biggest dude on the field. Tonga isn't too far behind him. He's not as tall, but he's just got a very wide 
space to him. And I'm really intrigued to see what he does here because I don't think Eddie Goldman's back from the COVID list yet. So Tom is going to get, I, I would assume, a lot of playing time um, in this first preseason game. Um, you know, any thoughts on him or even Thomas Graham Jr., who, you know, is a cornerback who, you know, I was very high on, but hasn't really seemed to make a ton of waves yet in terms of plays at training camp yet. Yeah, so I really like Kyrus Tonga because – Ultimately, well, look, let me take a step back. The Bears have some veteran defensive tackles on the roster, namely guys like Mike Pennell. But I think Tonga, you could make the case right now that he is going to be the second defensive tackle behind Eddie Goldman when the Bears' depth chart is all set and ready to go for the regular season. He sticks out to me because he is a run stuffer and he's exactly what the Bears look for in their run stuffers, a guy that is about or a little over six feet tall and then about – 300 pounds because that's going to allow him to take on double teams, which then allows the linebackers as well as the pass rushers to kind of get after the quarterback. That's what sticks out to me about Tonga. And then in regards to Thomas Graham Jr., I have to say that I like the way that he does. He's a very hard hitter in my opinion. And, and I know that again, when we were there on Friday in the first practice that they put the, or the, say the second or third day that they had the pads on, we didn't necessarily see, Thomas go at full speed, but you can tell the ability to be a good slot cornerback and be a hard hitter is definitely there. And speaking of the slot cornerback position, I mean, that's a position right now that I think is completely wide open and there isn't a necessarily set starter. So Thomas Graham Jr. does have an opportunity to seize that spot and hold it down. Yeah, there's a path of playing time for both these guys. Cause I mean, that defensive line, it's a loaded group. But Tonga is that primary nose tackle. I think they want to keep Lyle Nichols and Keem Hicks and all those guys on the defensive end side of things and not have to put them at the nose tackle position because um, that's just a strenuous position for those guys. You want to keep them at where they're at their best. Um, for Graham, I mean, the defensive back for the Bears is just such a weak unit right now, especially in the cornerback room. Uh, there's just not a lot of depth there. So there's a lot of opportunity for him to make plays or, or to get a chance to get on the field. You know, we'll see what happens. I think preseason is going to be big for Thomas Graham because he just hasn't been making plays in practice from what I've seen, which is disappointing because uh, I really liked him as a draft pick coming out of college. Um, I, I really liked him at the senior bowl out of Oregon. So we'll see what happens here over the next couple of weeks with him. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. But that kind of leads us into the final kind of part of our, pro- of our podcast here, and that's getting to the first preseason game for the bears and dolphins kind of, kind of like setting our expectations, kind of previewing this thing real quick before we get out of here, you said, you know, I'll start with this. You said, you know, what is, you know, the main thing you're looking for in this game in terms of any matchup in terms of, you know, you know, whether it's a singular matchup or one of you want to matchup or a unit versus a unit, you know, what are you kind of looking forward here for this game when it comes to playing the dolphins in game one? Well, definitely say it's positional battles. Now I'm looking for what is the Bears secondary going to do against this Miami offense? Because this Miami offense, I mean, they feature some really big name talents. And granted, a lot of the starters are only going to play one or two series, which is going to be whatever, like six or six to eight downs. 
but also, you know, I want to see how does this spare secondary hold down? I mean, and I mentioned this earlier on the podcast or on another podcast, actually, way before this, is that the very two most experienced cornerbacks right now on the roster are Artie Burns as well as Desmond Trufant. And both of those guys were former first-round picks, one in 2013, the other in 2016. So I'm really looking for how are these younger guys, the cornerbacks like a Xavier Crawford, like a Marquis Christian, like a Kendall Vildor, and even a Jalen Johnson, I could throw this in there. How are they going to step up and respond to having to play a couple reps against a guy like a Jalen Waddle or a um, – um, Devontae Parker, for example. And then second thing I'm watching for is this is what is this makeshift and just, you know, patched up Bears offensive line going to do? Because it, my, Miami, I think people have to understand is they missed the playoffs by one or two games last season. And they're certainly a playoff ready roster, but also they don't have an elite, elite front four. I mean, I think their best player is actually Christian Wilkins. So what the Dolphins front four does against the Bears offensive line is also going to be very telling because it is going to give us an opportunity to evaluate, hey, what is something that – what where is the position, in this case the offensive line, where is this position really at? Because a lot of people did consider it a strength going into training camp. And maybe it was a strength on paper, but it's not a strength out onto the field. But my expectation is that the bears are going to have an opportunity to really showcase that, Hey, we can have decent offensive line play because good coaching is going to be able to make mediocre offensive linemen look better than everyone expects. Yeah. Sticking with that secondary, uh, the secondary first, I'm really curious to see, you know, Jalen Waddle is going to be really fun to see on the field because, you know, he was a dynamic player at Alabama, of course. And, uh, he just has a speed factor that I think this Bears secondary is missing right now with Eddie Jackson still getting in the, in the, in the fold of things here, the cornerback room not being where it's at. So I, I think that's going to be a big matchup to see how they hold up here. I mean, we've already seen in the first uh, reports from the first joint practice that apparently like Matt Collins of the Dolphins apparently had a big day at practice today uh, for the Dolphins. So, I mean, if Matt Collins is having a big day, uh, that doesn't really bode well for your secondary if, if he's doing so well, especially when you have Will Fuller, uh, Jalen Waddle, and Devontae Parker still there, and even guys like Micah Second in tight end room. So uh, that secondary, that's going to be a huge one to work out for. And, uh, you know, who's getting the reps in the secondary? Is Vildor going to be the guy getting the first-team reps, or is it going to be uh, Desmond Trufant getting the first-team reps at that cornerback slot outside of Jalen Johnson? You know, what are they going to do in the nickel spot? Is Duke Shelley going to be getting most of the reps? Is Vildor going to be going back and forth between the, the outside and the nickel? So I'm really curious to see what they do there. But like you said, the offensive line is a big one here because that was another thing that was reported from today. Uh, the Miami Dolphins defensive line was reported at the first practice for the joint practices, uh, just completely whooped the offensive line for the Bears' ass. Like they completely just kicked their ass apparently uh, all throughout practice. Like we weren't there. It was a close practice, so we can't really get into any detail. But um, yeah, it, didn't, it did not sound good. So I'm really hoping that, you know, with Wilkinson, if he can – hold up a little bit you know I'm excited to see what the Dolphins had there because Jalen Phillips who they drafted in the first round this year he's another very talented rookie with the Dolphins coming up here and he was the best pass rusher in this draft class in my opinion um so I'm curious to see how these tackles hold up against him because he has true game wrecking ability and if he shows that right away I mean I mean he's not gonna have much competition against Latavius Simmons and Elijah Wilkinson though so uh we'll see how these the offensive line holds up against that defensive line. Uh, the Dolphins do have a pretty stout unit overall on, on the defensive side of the ball. But another thing I think to keep note is, you know, how many reps is Justin Fields going to get in this game? Because the offensive line kind of ties into, think, I, I think, you know, what the plan is with Fields here in game one. 
you know, Matt Nagy's kind of mentioned that Dalton, he's probably only going to get the first series or two, like six to eight plays that you kind of mentioned here. So nothing too big for Andy Dalton here in the first team offense. So that means there's going to be a lot of room for Justin Fields to get a lot of snaps in this game. So how many does he get? Is he going to get the rest of the first half? Is he going to bleed into the second half a little bit into the third quarter? You know, how much time is he going to get? And will they keep him out there even if the offensive line is struggling? It's kind of the main thing to keep out there. So uh, I'm really excited to see. I mean, I think everyone in Chicago is excited to see where Justin Fields is at um, and to see what he can do against this Miami Dolphins secondary that is pretty talented. They've invested a lot in that secondary over the past few years. So I, I think that's really the biggest storyline for this game is, you know, Justin Fields, how much playing time is he going to get? And, you know, what is his performance going to be? What, where is he at as a player as of right now? And can he get, can he add even more excitement to an already just jubilant fan base right now as it stands with the Bears? Yeah. And then, you know, again, I'm glad you brought the Fields thing up because what will happen is this is, and I mentioned Matt Nagy's comment earlier about how the only way to really evaluate Justin is to get him more and more reps and ultimately i think when you look at it i mean with that this is the time to really evaluate where justin is at and why because if you're an 11 year veteran like andy dalton you are thinking in the back of your head look i don't even necessarily need preseason preseason more so is for these younger guys these guys to go ahead and go at it and showcase hey this is where we're at and what justin does and i think matt needs to keep this in mind too is that what justin does in preseason and what he showcases is going to have an impact on matt Nagy's plan for developing him and the rest of the coaching staff too because if justin shows up and you know he's doing really well all of a sudden matt's going to be in a situation where he's going to realize okay we're farther ahead than where we need to be and we can skip to this portion in justin's development where if not matt's gonna have to kind of take a look at stuff Go back and say, hey, where are we at? Where did Justin go wrong? What do we need to take a step back and reevaluate before we take a big step forward? Yeah, it's going to be fun to see where Justin Fields is at. Um, you know, I certainly hope he lights it up. That would be something that would be really awesome, I think, to see him actually go out there and just look like everything that he's been in practice so far, which is a guy that um, has been improving every day and a guy who looks like the real deal. So, if Justin Fields can do that, that only bodes well, I think, for this team going forward. And, again, we're, we're going to see on Saturday. It's going to be a fun time. You know, I think the, they play at 1 p.m. Eastern, I believe, on Saturday. So I, that would be noon central time, I think. But I, I might be wrong on that. But, anyway, I, I think that's a good time to wrap it up here. You said, you know, we could do a score prediction, but it's a preseason game. So I, I don't think there's really any point into that. Now, I'll ask you one more thing here before we get out of here, you said. What jersey wearing for this game if you are going to be able to watch it? And what's your food choice here for the game time festivities here? Yeah, so that's an excellent choice. Um, I've got Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, and Roquan Smith. I've also got two Bears jerseys and two Bears hoodies. So I think I'm going to don the Khalil Mack one for this one. And also in terms of food choice, I think I'm going to keep it nice and simple and um, have a Caesar salad as well as water just because I'm really <laughs> trying to get in shape for the 17 game season but also usually i don't even necessarily eat food during games because i'm so focused on like you know covering the game and providing like live updates to all our subscribers out there which um by the way side note there should be a live chat for our vip so come join that guys on saturday during the game um i'll definitely be there i think zach should be there too and you'll just have an opportunity to chat with us while the game's going on yeah, it's going to be a marathon this season. That extra game is definitely going to keep things interesting for everybody with their 
food choices and everything involved with that. But yeah, I think I, I got a, I got a Justin Fields jersey just recently. I wore that at training camp that we were at um, on Friday. It's really between that and I got a Khalil Mack jersey as well. I think I'm going to go with the Justin Fields jersey because it's going to be his debut in a Bears uniform here. So I think I'll be going with that. As for food, I mean, we're not even into, the, into that part of the time. I think I'll just be going with some basic chips and dip and leaving it at that because, like you said, it's going to be 17-game schedule. It's going to be a marathon this year. So we'll see what happens there. All right, you say that's going to wrap it up for us here at Picks for Pace. I want to thank all of our listeners again for tuning in on all podcasting platforms. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Picks for Pace there. You say where can our listeners follow you on Twitter and find your work? Yes, you can follow me on Twitter, guys, at Busaid Kojil. Be sure to check out my work on the Bear Report website. I should have an article dropping every morning at 8 a.m. discussing something from the previous day's training camp practice. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure to go give Usa a follow and a good read for all the stuff he's got dropping on the Bear Report. You can follow me on Twitter at AJFreeman25. Keep a lookout for uh, my work on the Bearport YouTube channel. I'm planning on doing something, a little recap for the first preseason game for the Bears. Um, I mean, we haven't had as much, I haven't had as much time to do any YouTube work or video work because of NFL Game Pass going down, but I'm hoping that, you know, I can get a little bit, I can work in a little something here um, with preseason if we get if everything works as planned so we'll see what happens there you can find my work on the Bearport website as well with any, any anything going on down there um again i want to thank our listener for tuning in it's going to be an exciting weekend guys bear down bears fans we'll see you on saturday it's happening daily we're being conned by the institutions we used to trust the mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.